welcome, welcome everyone to The Enthusiast Life, brought to you by GamerGoo. My name is Mark Turcotte, I'm so glad each and every one of you have decided to make me a part of your day. Well, my friends, it is Tuesday, September 15th, 2020. Hopefully everybody is off to a good start here for the day, good start for the week. I know I'm in for a good start to the week because today is the release day for Splunky 2 on PlayStation. That's right, I am super stoked to get some hands-on with Splunky 2. I have yet to play it, but as we're recording this, it is out now. But before we talk about Splunky and a couple other great stories here today, don't forget a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, don't forget you can follow me on Twitter, at Mark Turk, that's M-A-R-K-T-U-R-C. And of course, you can always email the show here at theenthuslife at gmail.com. So let's jump in here and talk about why I am excited for Splunky 2. But to do that, we got to talk about the original Splunky. So if you're not familiar with the series Splunky, and I say series because there has been a couple different iterations of this game. Um, essentially, it is just a 2D, I'm going to say side scroller, but you're not just going left to right. I mean, you can kind of move around kind of these bigger, almost puzzly type levels. But the hook to the game is that every level is procedurally generated and it is a roguelike. So when you die, you're dead and you go back to the very beginning. But the fun of the game is that the amount of secrets, and when I say secrets, it literally is. There are things where, depending on what you do in certain levels, it can unlock other levels or go to secret areas that give you items that you can use to make further levels a little bit easier. But the game basically forces you to learn it's systems. Learn, like, when you see a certain block, and let's say you die to it the first time because spikes pop out of the top, you know now when you see those blocks on levels, you need to be careful. Um, and it just comes, you just, you get good at playing Splunky, I guess is the best way to say it. If you've ever seen anybody play it, and I highly recommend you go just watch some gameplay if you've never seen it. I mean, on its surface, it's going to look very simple. But as you play the game, you will learn that no, it's not simple. And failure is actually part of the game. It's like a Dark Souls where like you just need to fail to learn and you just get better and better. And there's nothing more satisfying in Splunky than completing that level. Now, the way the game works is it has you always be four stages basically set on a certain tile set. So in the original game, you would go in and there was like a jungle setting and you had to beat four levels of the jungle setting to then move on to the next level. Now, the only way you, you could eventually create shortcuts to go to that second tile set, but to do that, you had to meet certain criteria of beating those first four to unlock a shortcut to then immediately start on that second tile set, if that makes sense. So just think of like Mario, like if you beat world one, you make it to world two, eventually by doing certain things, you'll be able to always just start out in world two. And that's kind of where speeding, quote unquote, beating Splunky comes in. But the hook of the game, like I said, is the number of secrets. And hearing Derek Yu, who is the creator of the game, come out and talk about how there's things in this game that he doesn't even really know. People are going to just find things. I mean, every time you play, you walk away with a new story. You can go talk to someone else who's played the game as well, and you're going to have very drastic stories. I mean, one time you may launch into a level and there's ghosts all over the place chasing you back and forth across the map, or you may go in and everything's pitch black and you have to use torches to see, to light things, or you may go in and there's arrows and, you know, death spikes all over the place and you got to just kind of get through it. So if you're a big fan of like Mario or you're kind of into those old school 2D platforming games, trust me when I say this is the game for you. I mean, I was someone raised on Super Mario Brothers, Mario 2, Mario 3, all those games. I mean, those games always will hold that special place in my heart. That's why when Splunky came out, I think it came out in maybe it's 2010, I think, or 2011. It was a summer of arcade game, the Splunky HD, I should say, which was the Xbox 360 version of the game. Um, it was a summer of arcade game, 
heard a little bit, bit about it on the net, just picked it up kind of on a whim and was just captivated by it. And that summer, it became one of the hottest games. And for me, <laughs> the podcast and that we were doing that year, it was my game of the year. Like, it, it is just that good of a game. And now it's, you can pretty much play it on anything. I mean, it came to Vita, to PlayStation, to, you know, Xbox One. It's on, I, I, it's all over the place. PC, you can play it everywhere. So Splunky 2 is launching today on PlayStation. It is coming to the PC a little bit later this month. Uh, I think towards the end of the month, and it is going to hit, I'm sure, all the other platforms at some point. So it is going to be there uh, at some point for everybody to jump in. But I've like made myself like not look at anything about this game. All I've seen is what they showed at the PlayStation 5 uh, showcase or PlayStation showcase where they were showing some of the games that were coming up. I did see that trailer. Uh, and then Derek, you just did like a four or five minute trailer here recently in the last week or two, just talking about kind of his mindset and developing the game. And that's it. Now today, or I say today, yesterday, um, the reviews hit. This game is getting just incredible, incredible reviews. All I've read are the headlines and kind of looked at like, you know, the, the big uh, bits on Metacritic of what people are saying about this game. And they're saying that it is near perfect. It is the perfect sequel. If you even want to call it a sequel, it's more just kind of like a, a complete distillation of what that original game was and then expanded upon. This game now I know does have online co-op. But other than that, like I've tried to keep so many things secret because that's what this game is all about. It's all about discovery and finding out, like I said, what those pieces within each level can bring to, you know, uh, uh, that level essentially and how it changes the gameplay. Um, you know, your, your little guy, your little splunker person has ropes, bombs, and then that's pretty much where you start off. You can kind of crawl to the edge of, of little things and hang off the side, but there is fall damage. So that's a big deal as you're playing it. Um, and then you come across other characters on each level and how you interact with them and things that they inter the way they interact to you. Plus there's just straight up enemies. It's, so much fun. So I cannot wait to play this game. And so I got to tell you, I, I've not played the game yet, obviously. But if you are someone that is into, you know, kind of raise on those 2D platformers and are into those games, trust me when I say, put this game on your radar, watch some gameplay today, watch some reviews, because I have a feeling this may be a game that you're going to want to jump into and want to check out because it's um, just an awesome series. And, and when I said series earlier, basically what it was was that they he made it like a browser-based game originally. That was the original Splunky. Graphics weren't that great. Um, but, it, you know, it still had those gameplay hooks that just hooked people. People were like, wow, this game is great. Well, then he decided to make the HD version of that, and that's what Splunky HD became. And uh, there's even a whole book written about it. He wrote this whole book about the design of Splunky. And he's even gone on and, like, I think Nintendo um, – had him make like some Mario Maker levels and kind of like advertise them, them basically uh, through Mario Maker just to see like what could Derek you make within Mario Maker. And of course, he just made a hard as nails level um, <laughs> in Mario Maker. So uh, go check out Splunky 2. I think if you're, like I said, into uh, 2D platformers, it may be a game that's up your alley and you may find yourself wasting, I say wasting, but just spending tons and tons of hours playing that game and just watching the clock stick by. Because it's one of those games where it's like, I could do one more run. You know, you die and then it's like, nah, I could just quickly fire up another one real fast. And you just, you're instantly in, you know, it just has that addictive nature to it. Uh, let's see, moving on from Splunky 2, let's talk about some Star Wars Squadrons news. And uh, we did get, holy cow, guys, a cinematic campaign prequel trailer to the game, which is set to launch on October 2nd for both the PC, PlayStation 4, and the Xbox One. Remember, there is going to be some VR support coming to this game and wow, 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 wow. It's over six minutes long. We just get this, I'm just going to say it, badass 
dogfight trailer between a TIE fighter and an X-Wing, and it just sets the stage for where things are going to go in the story for this game. If you're not familiar with this, remember this is that space battle game. I think it's only going to be 40 bucks, um, and it is going to have a story campaign that is going to be basically set after the Battle of Endor and the destruction of the second Death Star. Um, so you're basically going to be kind of left in that time frame where war is supposed to be over, and that's what the cinematic trailer kind of hits on, is that you see this um, TIE fighter pilot fighting with this x-wing and ultimately the tie fighter pilot wins and uh shortly before that the new republic pilot says to him before he's of course meets his demise says give up you imp the war is over and then at the end you see the tie fighter pilot he's like nah it ain't you know it ain't over for me and that's kind of where it kicks off and so it's just going to be so cool to see how that story plays out. I think it's going to be great kind of jumping between pilots from both sides of that story. Um, that's kind of what I liked even about the Battlefront 2 campaign was you kind of got some view into, you know, the Empire side. I mean, that's a side you don't hear about enough. Like what? I mean, imagine. I mean, seriously, this is kind of the same thing that happened like in, in the times of World War II and that where you have these Nazis that were so ingrained with their cause. And when you hear the war is over, they just couldn't believe it. I mean, it's almost like you hear stories of, um, during the Vietnam War and Vietnamese soldiers who still live in the woods. I mean, this happened, I, I want to say, as late as the mid to late 90s. There's a case of a guy, you know, they basically had to pull his, I heard this on uh, the Dan Carlin Hardcore History podcast I listened to. He said they literally had to find one of the old generals for this Vietnamese soldier who now is working at like a shoe store and was in his late 60s, early 70s, have the guy come stand on the edge of the woods and tell this man still in the woods, it's over. Because people would drop the guy newspapers and flyers and all these things saying it was over, but he didn't believe it. He thought it was all fake. And he was in there for decades. And it literally took his old original general to come to say, hey, it's over. And that was enough to finally have him move on. And you almost wonder, like, in the Star Wars universe and with the Empire's reach and all of that and how big the galaxy could possibly be. Think about how much disinformation could possibly be passing around that universe, right? And so when you hear one little X-Wing pilot come up next to you and say, hey, the war is over, it's like, nah. Unless you were there and saw that Death Star blow up, you probably thought there's no way in hell that second Death Star is ever going to get destroyed again. Like, how could that possibly happen again? So you're going to have all these little packs of soldiers. And I know it's it's even out there in the extended fiction. I mean, we've even seen that in um, Rebels, where they come across, you know, a bunch of... Uh, of um, uh, the the robots, the Republic robots, and they don't believe that it's over. And it takes the, the clones basically to say, hey, you guys were duped. Like this, the, the war that was fought was basically set up by the emperor and, you know, the war is over. Like we're, we're on the same side now. And so I think just going down that path and being able to play through that in a video game is going to be very, very cool. And man, I can't wait for this game. I, I know, you know, obviously the multiplayer side of it is the side they're really pushing just like battlefront you know you'll play through the campaign probably be a five to six hour campaign you'll move on and it's really they want to push you towards the multiplayer with the dog fights and the fleet battles which i am somewhat intrigued about i mean this idea that you're going to have these ships that are really class-based that have their own abilities and they want teams to be built to use tactics and use um, just cooperation to complete each battle it makes me think of something like um, like Overwatch, you know, and where Overwatch, you have different characters, everybody has their own skill set. And as long as you work together as a team, you're going to probably dominate and be successful. And it's when people go in and just play it like a typical shooter, you're just going to lose at Overwatch. Like unless you have people on your team actually playing their role and playing their class, 
you're going to lose. Like I today was texting with a buddy of mine talking about squadrons. I sent him this trailer and he's like, oh, that's cool. He's like, but in the end, it's just a dogfighting game and it all comes down to whoever can circle the other one the fastest. And to some extent, in some dogfighting games, that may be the case. Like the original Battlefront 1 and 2, those fleet battles are kind of like that. But for everything they're pushing with this and everything they've said, they don't want this game to be that. They want it to be different. They want it to be class-based. They want you to have loadouts on your ships and all those things. And so I really hope they're able to deliver on that. Now, is that going to be a fun experience for players to play? I don't know. Is it something that's going to keep me hooked? I don't know. But in the end... I'm there. I'm going to be checking it out. And this story is something that I really, really, uh, you know, just want to dive into and want to just just experience. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun to play. Uh, bouncing off some video game news, we got some news about Ant-Man 3. And uh, we did get the reveal that Jonathan Majors, who right now is in um, the Lovecraft Country show on HBO, uh, he was also in The Last Black Man in San Francisco. He has now been tapped to play a major villain in Ant-Man 3. He is going to be playing Kang the Conqueror. Yes, my friends, we are having him coming. Now, if you're not familiar with this character, he's basically this time-hopping character that goes across all kinds of different iterations. Um, I know he's a, a villain that could potentially, potentially be on the level of Thanos because the interesting bit about him is because he is time-hopping and time-traveling, we can see different iterations of him pop up in other movies so i think that's what's going to be interesting about this so not only can you have him you can have him be essentially iron lad right which is one of the young avengers which i think would be very cool uh to have him possibly in there um you know uh just what is that going to do do we get a young avengers movie and then suddenly we have this um you know uh kang show up and take him under his wing and then show him kind of the rights from the wrong you know i, I there's just a lot that can be done um, I think now pulling him in. Is he on the level of a Thanos? Personally, no, but we need somebody. And if there's going to be anybody, he's probably the one to do it, is what I would think. Um, and again, because they would be able to fit him in. Now, where he fits in with Ant-Man and what I think is interesting is when you can pull in the quantum realm. Obviously, time travel was a very big deal in Avengers Endgame. I mean, we got all the quantum realm uh, you know, just descriptions and all that in Ant-Man and the Wasp, but it really wasn't until Endgame that we really kind of learned what that use could be for the quantum realm in the MCU. And I think now that we've established that, we've established time travel, just like the Guardians established flying to space and making it like a normal thing in these movies. Yep, time travel. Yep, normal thing now. Now we have a villain who can be all over the place, time travels himself, can show up anywhere looking different, being different versions of himself all over um I love it. Absolutely love it. I think it's a great, great thing. And and like I said, I, I would just love to see kind of where that's going to go. Now, I don't, I'm not sure when Ant-Man 3 is set to come out. Uh, I'm not sure about that yet, but, um, you know, I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I mean, the Ant-Man movies have been some of my favorites in that series. Paul Rudd is just money, money as that character. It's, it's awesome. And finally today, guys, let's talk about this trailer for this new Halloween movie coming to Netflix. I don't know if you saw this. And that is Hubie Halloween. It's set to launch on October 7th. This is, I'm going to just tell you who is producing it and you'll know who's probably going to be in it and what it's going to be all about. It is a Happy Madison production. Of course, that is Adam Sandler's production company. And of course, it features Adam Sandler. And this isn't the Adam Sandler that we've seen in like Uncut Gems and all that. No, this is the real Adam Sandler. This is the Billy Madison Adam Sandler. This is the Waterboy Adam Sandler. This is Adam Sandler at his classic 
corniest, goofy, whatever. And this movie, I'm sorry, I can't wait to see it. Like, it looks so dumb, so silly. It's exactly what I think we're going to need here this Halloween. Just a fun, goofy movie. It also has Kevin James in it. Maya Rudolph is in it. Ray Liotta's in it. Keenan Thompson's in it. Like, it just looks like it's going to be just a great classic style SNL type movie, you know, where you would have a Chris Farley movie or you would have an Adam Sandler movie, like just with a bunch of other people from the SNL cast. Like that's what we're going to get out of Hubie Halloween. Uh, Essentially, Hubie seems to be just kind of this thankless neighbor that lives in this neighborhood that uh, everybody just goofs on his whole life. Every year he, he waits for Halloween, decorates his house all perfect walks around with a a big sash on that says monitor as if he's like a hall monitor but for the neighborhood kids are throwing candy at him saying he's a loser and then of course something definitely happens for real this time in his hometown of Salem which is where he lives of course and uh, he basically has to deal and convince everybody that something is going on and that they need to take it serious so set to come out October 7th again I'm sure it's going to be goofy and silly um, but I think you know it's going to be a nice little contradiction to the haunting at Bly Manor if you want to say it's going to kind of be the opposite of that but again the Halloween season I think it's going to be something fun so I'm definitely looking forward to it go check the trailer out I think there's actually two trailers now today was the or yesterday was the um the final one I'm sure before the movie comes out um but uh yeah it looks like it's funny this wasn't even on my radar I had no clue this movie was even coming out Uh, but it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun so go check that out uh, all right. Well, you know, real quick here, one last final thing here. I do want to just mention, and this was a story that was kind of running rampant early in the day, uh, yesterday, and, uh, it has since been confirmed to not be true and not even in discussion, but I'm sure many of you being destiny fans and Bungie fans, um, there was this rumor, a bunch of stories running around about the idea that Microsoft was looking at purchasing Bungie. And, uh, I mean, hell, even ultimately they could have probably at that point made destiny an exclusive title. Um, it has been since shot down. Uh, you know, I think Bungie would have been crazy to do that in terms of then putting someone else now in control of their um, IPs. You know, I think them being independent is a good thing. Uh, I think they're currently going through the process of learning how to be independent because obviously, you know, they've had some some hiccups here, hit some roadblocks. I think on the positive side, it definitely would have helped them um, with just funding in that and they could have really relied on a lot of the teams and the studios that Microsoft has internally to help them pump out better content faster, uh, which I think would have been a good addition for them. Um, and on the personal note, I think it would have been great to get some of those guys potentially working on Halo, which would have been awesome, right? You could have had Bungie kind of co-produce a Halo game. However, when you think about that, a lot of the team that existed back when the Halos that we all know and love, the Bungie Halos, um, were around, a lot of that team at Bungie doesn't exist anymore. Bungie, pr- pretty much when Destiny came out, really changed it's a totally different bungee not saying it's bad but i'm just saying it was definitely a different bungee than that made those halo games so um not sure if that necessarily would have been a good or a bad thing um if they were working on those halo but uh, halo games but i think just attaching a bungee name to more halo games always would have been a good thing but like i said it was shot down but i know that maybe some people didn't see that it was shot down or maybe were expecting me to just talk about it um that's my couple little quick thoughts here at the end of the show but all right everybody well let's uh wrap it up there again don't forget you can follow me on twitter that's at mark turk m-a-r-k-t-u-r-c of course you can email the show the enthuslife at gmail.com and like i said big thanks here to gamer goo they are supporting the show helping to um you know uh, partner up with the show again so if you're interested in some gamer goo go to gamergoo.com use my promo code tell t-e-l save yourself 10 percent off your order and of course don't forget go over on twitter Use the hashtag, yeah, go in it, and let us know you got 
some gamer goo. And you can find all that down in the show notes below. Well, that's going to do it for me, everybody. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your day. And until tomorrow, we'll catch you next time.